we could look at Bitcoin's model, like you said, of, of competition in order to earn some sort of block reward, but we could apply that to gaming so that the resource, instead of it being processing power in mining rigs, was skill-based competition in video games. Welcome to the Cardano Source Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Edwards, and on this weekly podcast, I catch up with a range of Cardano innovators, thought leaders, and changemakers who are using Cardano to make an impact within the world of cryptocurrency and beyond. As Charles Hoskinson puts it, we are Cardano. And if you permit us, we'd like to change the world. If that sounds like you, then make sure to subscribe, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Blaine Edwards, and today we are joined by Aiden, one of the co-founders of Player Mint, the project on Cardano, whose mission is to power the metaverse economy. So Aiden, thanks, brother, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. I appreciate you taking the time. All righty, so let's dive in. Uh, let's, let's begin with a little bit of an introduction. So can you please tell the podcast a bit about who you are and what you do? Totally. So my name is Aiden Rankin-Williams, and I, like you said, am the co-founder of PlayerMint. Uh, so I'm a gamer at heart. I love playing video games from back in the day, playing, you know, PlayStation 2, Star Wars Battlefront, or, you know, surfing those Flash games on like mini kit, mini clip or, or you know, Game Fudge. So I've always been a longtime gamer, and I've always been kind of interested in, in how to build things and, and kind of taking things apart as well. So I was a big, you know, Lego user as a kid as well. Mm, so I guess you could say my, my kind of background is, is I always loved video games and I always loved building things. So as I kind of grew up, that kind of behavior continued. I got more interested in video games. I got my Xbox 360. I got my PlayStation 4. I got kind of further and further interested in these things. And then in high school of uh, 2017, as I was kind of getting out of high school, um, my good buddy and uh, the other founder of PlayerMint, a guy named Grant Scholl, was living at my house at the time and said, hey, man, you, you got to come down here. And he showed me a, a great video of Charles Hoskinson himself doing a TED talk in Bermuda on the world, the future of the world will be decentralized. And mm. so I got kind of, you know, indoctrinated into the blockchain movement through a Charles Hoskinson video. And we spent, you know, the rest of the night just watching video after video about blockchain, crypto, what are, you know, what is Bitcoin? How does it work? All these types of things. And then from there, we were kind of on this chase, like, how do we get involved? Like, we're so interested in, in, in you know, everyone's getting super bullish because it's on the upswing of 2017 and how do we get interested how do we get involved and then of course 2018 hits and the market goes full bull or full bear <laughs> but we're still interested you know we, we still, still have that same yeah, the, the believers yeah well i think this technology is uh, obviously i'm making this podcast because i think this has got to be around for a while but um so your love for gaming was first and then your love for cardano and crypto was second at exactly. what point was there a particular moment where you're like, okay, this is a potential opportunity to, to merge those two passions? Like, how did that process come mm -hmm. about? So, yeah, that's a good question. So Grant, the, the very buddy who I founded PlayerMint with, he actually was a competitive esports player when he was a bit younger. He would go towards different like land tournaments and, and play Call of Duty for, you know, actual money prizes and competed on a team. So as we were kind of looking for ways to get involved in the blockchain ecosystem, we thought, hey, we have these global currencies that you can, can transact peer to peer. What if we were to create a way for people to wager Bitcoin and Ethereum on games of Call of Duty? 
basically. So, you know, you and I agree, you know, hey, whoever gets, you know, whoever wins this 1v1 match in Call of Duty gets, you know, $20 worth of Bitcoin. And we wanted to create a system in which essentially people could, you know, join in on some sort of smart contract and then depending on who won that smart contract would transfer, you know, Ethereum or Bitcoin from one wallet to the other. Um, of course the Bitcoin might have to be wrapped so it could have smart contracts introduced to it, but that was kind of the initial idea is some sort of wagering system, uh, Mm -hmm. so that people could bet Bitcoin or Ethereum on games of call of duty. Okay. Okay. So, and, and that, in that sense, each player would have some of the, some sort of crypto and then the winner would get the loser's amount or or exactly. Okay. Okay. So one way that I'm thinking about it at the moment is just like with Bitcoin, you you solve these very complex problems and then you mint these mm-hmm. these Bitcoin. Could this be a potential way of of mining this kind of crypto? Uh, instead of solving this problem, you're kind of you're mining it through uh, competition. Yeah. So that's actually really, I'm really glad that you said that. That gives me a great segue. So um, that was kind of the initial thought of what player mint can be. Back then it was under a different name, but, but basically that was the original birth of player mint. And then as we realized and delved more into blockchain and crypto, what we realized is, is that we could look at Bitcoin's model, like you said, of, of competition in order to earn some sort of block reward, but we could apply that to gaming so that the resource, instead of it being processing power in mining rigs, was skill-based competition in video games. So after we kind of realized what we could do with blockchain, we were like, what if we created our own token that people can mine via gameplay performance so that they don't have to have that risk of, hey, if I lose this match of Call of Duty, I'm losing my crypto. Now we have this way where now there's a prize pool of our fungible token called PMX and people can earn that currency simply via their gameplay performance and they don't have to worry about losing any money in order to do so. Mm-hmm. I really like that as, as an idea. I think that's pretty cool. Thank you. Um, okay, let's just take a step back real quick. Um, what is Player Mint? Mm-hmm. Great question. Yeah. So Player Mint is a way for the gamers of the world to have an interaction with a blockchain that makes their ultimate gaming experience more rewarding, more enjoyable, more you know, self-owned. So how we do that is through that model I just spoke of, which was kind of the fungible token. You can get paid to play video games based off of your gameplay performance. And then the other system that we have is the non-fungible system. And that our idea kind of was is, well, we have all these people that have a fungible token. We, we need to provide them utility. We need to provide them things that they can do with this fungible token once they've actually earned it from gameplay performance. What if we allowed them to, you know, interact and enjoy an NFT system where they could mint NFTs and exchange them all through the currency that they earn from gameplay performance? So in essence, we are creating a model in which people get paid to play video games and then they can uh, create virtual creations so they can kind of profit off of both their gameplay performance and virtual creations uh, kind of in that kind of cool uh, world and in the kind of the gaming experience. Mm So if there are games that you are outside of the player uh, playment ecosystem at the moment, is there a way to link those or do those games have to be built natively on top of kind of like playment? Like how does that work with, because um, obviously there's a lot of games out there. Yeah. Is there a way to kind of link onto those? Totally. So our approach was, is that 
we thought gaming is kind of this way to gain mass adoption on a blockchain. You want to, we want to create a DAP that can have, you know, hopefully millions and millions of users. And we want those users to all be on top of Cardano. So our thought was instead of building our own blockchain based games, we thought of what if we created like an integration model where instead of building our own version of a battle Royale, we say, Hey, we're going to go integrate with Fortnite. And the great thing about Fortnite is, is the devs behind them, uh, Epic games have a huge focus on creating open tooling so that eventually Fortnite can become like a metaverse platform. So the metaverse being kind of like the shared virtual space kind of, uh, uh, so we decided to go with Fortnite. It already has hundreds of millions of users. They're all very active. Epic Games is providing a toolkit called Epic Online Services that we can use to integrate with the game, get API requests, authenticate accounts, pay them out with PMX. So our kind of model is, is we're going to integrate with existing games that have user bases. Um, that's kind of the initial step of player mint. So first it's Fortnite, and then we'll kind of develop and integrate with other popular, you know, AAA existing titles. And then our future kind of idea is, is that we want to create an SDK and that SDK being so that we can essentially plug into a game engine like Unreal Engine or Unity, and then developers, game developers that are using that engine to build video games can then mint NFTs inside of those video games via the player mint protocol. Uh, so then they can kind of introduce these NFT assets that people are minting via their gameplay performance into the very games themselves. They can attach royalties to them so that they can be traded on the secondary market and that the game dev still has you know, more revenue coming their way. So there's kind of a, a ultimate vision where we start with being an integration and then we enable game devs to, uh, in the future, integrate uh, NFTs into their games themselves. Okay, so you mentioned Fortnite. I, I don't play, play it myself, but I've, all my nephews are diehard fans. Yeah. Um, so I know on um, Fortnite, they've got their own sort of currency. They have Robux or whatever mm -hmm. it's called. V-Bucks. Yeah. V-Bucks, V-Bucks, V-Bucks. I'm such a noob. Okay, so <laughs> could, could we step through potentially what that process would look like if you were to integrate with um, Fortnite? Considering they have V-Bucks and then you have the payment token, how does that work with the two kind of currencies in play? Like how does that work from a, from a user point of view? Yeah, so this was an interesting kind of path that PlayerMint decided to take in which we were like, and this kind of goes to the fact that we choose to be an integration that lives on top of existing games as opposed to building our own is, is that we are going to reward people with fungible tokens that don't exist directly inside of Fortnite. It's simply gotcha. we use Fortnite as a metric to determine how much PMX someone earns. Mm -hmm. So what that does is, is we don't cause competition with V-Bucks or Epic Games revenue model to make money off of Fortnite. So actually what, what we can do is, is we're actually a huge value add to Epic Games because if Epic Games says, hey, we see that you have an existing user base that you're building, kind of trying to build, a, increase the metaverse application of Fortnite. What if we made it so that people could buy V-Bucks with PMX? That's kind of the route at which we want to go down because then we increase Epic Games' potential to have more and more revenue from Fortnite because their people, their gamers are able to use PMX as opposed to US dollars to pay for the V-Bucks and buy in-game items. Yep. And this is kind of like a, a personal thought. And I, I, I kind of think that this makes a lot of sense in the terms of that 
players that are earning a currency via gameplay performance for something that they've already been playing are going to be more likely and more willing to spend that currency on things like V-Bucks. So I actually think that we could increase Epic Games revenue by them allowing our users to spend PMX to buy V-Bucks. Yeah, 100%. It's a win-win scenario. And, yeah. But in order for them to do that, not all games you can connect to. So you, you mentioned Fortnite. Mm. They had some, I'm, I'm not super tech savvy, but you have these the APIs and, and all these mm. different things which allow player meant to connect with Fortnite. Exactly. Is this something that a lot of games have? Is this, is this like a trend within the gaming community with games offering this as uh, an opportunity for others to kind of tap into their system in some way? Is that like a, yeah, so, a trend? Yeah, Fortnite's kind of taking the first step here or Epic Games is kind of taking the first step here. So that that kind of toolkit I was speaking of that has the APIs and the authentications and all that is called Epic Online Services. Okay. So that's kind of their open toolkit, you know, hey, come build awesome things on top of the games we have. Um, but other games are starting to kind of take steps towards it as well. Like mm-hmm. Roblox, for example, is kind of a big game. Any game right now that kind of has a huge focus on allowing the player to build things inside of it and then share those things with other people. So for example, what we're kind of expecting the games that are kind of following Fortnite's approach is Roblox kind of Minecraft is also kind of looking in that direction. Um, we're also kind of expecting that future AAA titles like game, you know, big game engines or, or game devs like Bethesda. We believe that they're going to start to look towards the metaverse and blockchain applications as a way to kind of increase their revenue while also increasing the enjoyability of their games. So yeah. they're kind of, it's kind of the initial baby steps right now. There isn't, it's not like a widespread thing, but th- mm. there's definitely kind of like Epic Games is kind of paving the way for other people to follow. Mm. But that's also exciting because it's a massive opportunity. So if you, if Playman mm-hmm. can become this platform that um, you're providing this value and then you can connect with other games and in return, you're providing value for them and also the Playman community, that's a win-win. That's a win for them without, without them actually doing anything. And so exactly. if, if Fortnite is making this, taking these steps to, you know, these changes in order to make that a possibility, then I imagine a lot of games will follow suit. And the more games that follow suit, the more potential value that you can give as playmate. So it's, um, it's quite exciting. Exactly. Yeah. yeah consider, especially considering yeah, so how like, big gaming is and how fast it's growing. Yeah. It's an, it's one of, I think pretty much one of the fastest growing industries. I mean, right next to blockchain, like for example, <laughs> I, I think a good a marriage made in heaven. Uh, yeah. It's kind of the combination <laughs> of the two. So we're, we're feeling pretty good about kind of our, where we fit in kind of the marketplace, but yeah. at least like an example of, of, I mentioned Roblox as being one of these kind of games that, that is trying to take steps towards the metaverse. They actually, there was recently, you know, they allow gamers to build things inside of their world and, and kind of sell them and transact them and trade them with one another. So actually one item that was created recently was, is someone created a, a, a replica of a Gucci bag inside of Roblox. And it isn't attached to a blockchain or anything like that. It's just simply an in-game asset. And it was sold for, I think, over $4,000. It's no, no sort of NFT. It's simply just an in-game asset inside of Roblox. Wow. That $4,000, the replica black bag inside of Roblox costed more than the physical bag in the real world. So if we think about these things, yeah, it's like, 
whoa, what if we gave Roblox an engine where they can mint those things into SDKs or they can mint those things into NFTs via an SDK. And then they'd have all of these in-game items could be all transacted via Robux or PMX. Uh, and they could all be NFTs that could also be sold in external marketplaces. So mm. they don't need to be tied up in Roblox. And in fact, they could have more value because then if I own that Gucci bag, I don't need to worry thinking if Roblox goes offline, my Gucci bag is gone. Mm-hmm. But if if Roblox goes offline and it's still an NFT it's asset, else. it's on the Cardano blockchain as opposed to being controlled by Roblox. Okay, okay. Um, so when I view all these like games, you have Minecraft, you have Roybucks, you have Fortnite, you have all these different things. And then on blockchain, you have Decentraland, you have Sandbox. Yeah. They are all these little universes, a metaverse. Could you, could yeah. you, since this is, since you're trying to, uh, power the metaverse economy, can you just quickly define what a metaverse metaverse is? It's a cool name, but could you quickly yeah. define it? Real what does quickly? it mean? Yeah. What does it mean? Yeah. So I'd, I'd say large in part metaverse is still kind of being defined in terms of what it exactly means. But how I see it is, is it's the shared virtual world. Right now, if you think about our internet, it's very siloed in the sense that you make an account for every single kind of website that you go to, right? You have your own username and password across every single website, which is different than in the physical worlds because you could go into any sort of restaurant or store and you just walk in and all of your assets and who you are follows with you, whether you're going into you know Macy's or Nordstrom's, right? Your kind of identity and financial assets follow you around in the physical world. So in the metaverse, that's kind of the concept of instead of having these internet websites that are siloed and you have different accounts for each one, you kind of break down the silos so that all of these kind of, you know, things across the internet all live in almost like the same plane of existence so that you only have to enter yourself as one account one entity that has one wallet and you're able to go over here and you're able to go and transact on Google domains. And then you can go over here and you can engage in Fortnite. And then you can go over here and you can watch a, 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 you know, Travis Scott live stream on Twitch. And you're all one entity with, you know, one set of wallet that has all of your assets in it, as opposed to having a siloed experience. Gotcha. Okay. So my, question my follow-up question is kind of related to that silo idea so you have decentraland you have sandbox Mm. so you have these different kind of virtual worlds and you mentioned as a definition of a metaverse's shared virtual worlds Mm -hmm. can sandbox and decentraland kind of talk to each other like is there some way because I imagine there's got to be lots of versions of these in the future. Mm-hmm. And ideally the richest experience would be one where you kind of, you have some land and say Decentraland or whatever, and then you're able to move it over to Cardano land or Playment land mm-hmm. or whatever it's called. Um, is that like a possibility? Like, cause f- for me in my head, that seems like a potential siloing effect. If, um, if there isn't, if these virtual worlds aren't, interoperable, Mm. I guess. Is that the possibility? Yeah, I think it's 100% a possibility. It becomes a lot easier when those things are on the same blockchain. So to my belief, both Sandbox and Decentraland are on the same Ethereum-based blockchain. And because of that, they'd have an easier time of interacting with one another because like, 
Yeah, because their their token standards are similar and whatnot. But you know, as we know, Cardano has a massive focus on interoperability. They're already building things like the ERC twenty converter. So I do think that you get to the point where you can enjoy the internet and you don't have to have that siloed experience. Mm. You can engage in Decentraland and you can engage in, you know, the sandbox. Right now, I guess you could say the closest thing we have to that is, is the fact that your financial assets kind of become the first layer of that metaverse. Because you can have one Ethereum-based wallet that holds your your NFT assets from Sandbox and your NFT assets from Decentraland. So that's kind of what we're trying to do from a gaming perspective on top of existing games is is we want to give you one wallet that you have across all of the kind of internet because our thoughts is is it's the easiest to make the financial side of the metaverse first. And then you, you kind of, once there's a financial side, all of these games now have a financial incentive to interact and be connected because this game's NFTs become a lot more valuable if they're also usable in this game. Because it means these this game's NFTs have more utility. So our, our hope is is that when you provide financial incentives via these you know fungible and non fungible tokens, there's more of an incentive to be interoperable. And if at the very least we can create a metaverse on a financial and identity level, okay, that, yeah, that's so at gotcha. least kind of our our hope. Yeah. yeah. So if if a metaverse is kind of this the the sharing of these virtual worlds, this kind of experience where that is shared across all those virtual realities and one component of a metaverse is the financial layer and so that's the layer that you're kind of focusing on at the moment is creating exactly creating a product that um provides this financial value across all these different realities across all these different games and everything like that that's kind of your focus exactly exactly and then and then yeah and then we want to get yeah and then we want to get to the point so we're coming from a very toolbox approach we want to give you know, we have the fungible token side, which we've kind of constructed and we want to have quality tokenomics. Um, and that's kind of our, our payment method. But everything from there on out, once we've kind of constructed a way for people to get paid to play video games is toolbox approach. So that whole NFT side and what I was speaking earlier about those SDKs is, is that's kind of our first step into providing people financial incentives to help join the metaverse together in terms of if we develop an SDK, so game studios can build NFT assets that all fall kind of under a same, the same protocol, what you can start doing is, is maybe this indie game dev studio builds a cool dungeon crawler and so does this one. And they communicate because they're both building on top of the player mint SDK and they say, why don't we make our NFTs interoperable? So that, you know, the cool iron sword that you earn in this game can be used can be in this used game there. as well gotcha exactly. that's a very powerful idea sdk sdk what does that mean so that's that means software development kit so that that's okay. basically just like essentially you can think of it it's just like kind of a nice package of tools that we can give to you to make some sort of action easier to do so okay, for example gotcha. in our case it is going to be minting NFTs inside of your video games. Gotcha. So the current gotcha. example of like an SDK that allows people to mint NFTs and build blockchain games is like Engine, um, the Ethereum-based project Engine. That, that's kind of like the current example of an SDK approach to gaming. Okay, gotcha. Um, you kind of mentioned it before, um, but what is your rationale behind building on Cardano? Yeah, great question. So... I think the uh, the really big one is, of course, just the usability element. 
Um, of course, smart contracts are about to come out, but things, for example, like Babel fees and building on yeah. a network that is already in the proof of stake realm, um, those kind of were really intriguing to us because there's kind of this roadmap approach of, hey, we're going to have scalable elements. We're going to make sure that people aren't paying, you know, 20 bucks just to transact a small amount of assets like we were seeing on Ethereum for a while. So our, 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 our first thing was, is, is we want to create an environment in which if we're onboarding all of these users that might not understand blockchain, what's the easiest blockchain for that to do on? Where, where they can almost have an experience where they don't need to understand what blockchain is in order to enjoy a blockchain application. And we felt as though that was for Cardano, Babel fees being a huge part of that because then people only need to have PMX in order to transact PMX. They don't need to hold ADA in order to transact PMX because they can pay gas fees in PMX. Yep. We also feel good about the decentralization of Cardano from a security perspective because of the whole stake pool operator model. We feel as though, I mean, already with thousands of stake pools already online and many of them fully saturated, you know, we know that the decentralized uh, Ouroboros protocol works well. We feel very good about the smart contract model that's kind of being deployed right now. Um, I've kind of, you know, left some comments under Twitter posts of people in the Plutus Pioneers program, and they've always been giving very kind of quality reviews as to the quality of the smart contracts and how they operate. And then finally, we just feel really good about the direction of Cardano in terms of if it's taking a peer review academic approach where before they build anything, they write these incredible white papers and then send them all across the world to some of the most intelligent people to be peer reviewed to, to show that this stuff works before they build it. That just makes us feel really good from a blockchain perspective that even if it might take a little bit longer to get to the point where you have smart contracts or you have an on-chain on -chain governance protocol, you know it works. And yeah. you know that <laughs> it, it's not going to be subject to any sort of attack. So that's kind of why we really chose Cardano. And then, of course, I guess to, to end up my kind of little spiel on this here, <laughs> we want Player Mint to eventually become fully decentralized in terms of the PMX holders or the, the holders of our fungible token. PMX acts as a governance token where they can then control the system. They can vote, hey, this is the next game that should be you know, implemented on Player Mint. And this is kind of the stats that should be chosen in order to distribute rewards on. So eventually we want PlayerMint to become almost like a DAO in its own right. And because of that, Cardano's on-chain governance approach makes a lot of sense to us. Advantageous in that, in that regard. To add to that final part of what you just said about the utility of the token, could you talk about, expand a bit on the utility? Uh, can you expand on the utility of the token um, maybe in the short term, but also eventually in the long term? So you said in the long term, you want it to have some sort of governance aspect to it as well. Mm. Um, what what is the utility of the token? Yeah, the PMX so, token. Of course. So, and I've said this in, a, in a, a few interviews. We have a very iterative development approach, and and what that means is 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 we like to build things, test them, make sure they work, and then go on to the next step. So initially, our utility for PMX is going to be strongly in that NFT realm. It's that capacity to earn something via gameplay performance. And because you now have this asset that you didn't have to purchase with something like US dollars, you can simply earn via a, a hobby you like to do regardless. Um, 
our, our approach is, is you can mint all these NFTs and you can transact these NFTs. That's kind of the first layer of utility. Uh, we also have something called Player Mint Pro, and this is kind of our incentive to hold. Uh, Player Mint Pro is the concept where if you hold a certain amount of PMX, you gain certain rewards. So the, the first one of those kind of rewards being you gain access to a larger prize pool. So you earn more PMX when you're competing uh, via your gameplay performance. Okay. Once we've kind of gone down the model of NFTs and kind of that initial approach, then you get into the SDK realm where now player mint PMX and the NFTs are now becoming interoperable and usable inside video games that these game devs are developing, right? Because now PMX can be used to transact and buy assets that you can then use in video games. So, you know, one day super off, you know, it, it, this would be amazing if we could integrate with Fortnite and then it's like, holy crap, I can buy this amazing, you know, John Wick or Batman skin for PMX. And then guess what? I can then sell that on a secondary market for PMX as well. So that, that's kind of the approach. Um, we also want to build out a Discord bot and kind of a Twitch bot. And so our thought there is PMX utility grows in regards to the fan to creator connection. So gotcha. if you have content creators that are streaming the video games that we're playing and they're growing communities in the games that we're playing, what if you have a token that is very, that is earned via the engagement with that video game Ooh. that everyone's playing and that forms the community? Interesting. What happens when you give that creator access to some sort of point of sale you know, solution. So now they can start selling merch for PMX. You know, mm. they can start doing giveaways of PMX. They can mint NFTs with PMX and then auction them off to their community. And then that NFT can stand for, you know, access to one-on-one -on -one conversations with that creator or their say. exclusive club. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, and then finally down off the road, then you get into kind of that uh, DAO world where now PMX is the governance token and people can determine the future of player mint or the future of the mint or economic backbone of the metaverse via the PMX they hold. So that's kind of our, our current to long-term yeah. approach to utility. Perfect. Yeah, the community token that you just mentioned before is a really awesome mm -hmm. idea because there's a strong community around kind of, I'm, I'm not actively involved in the gaming community, but I was back in the day when I played um, Age of Empires. Such a good game. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's a bit of a tangent. Um, there's the strong community. So they, just like in sport as well, you love your sporting team. You love, you know, the, the particular athlete that you're passionate about. If there was some sort of community token that you would get by engaging with that team or that sport, and then that token provide access with kind of meaningful interactions with the exactly. person or the team that you love, huge. Yeah. It's a huge idea. Yeah. So if there's some way that you could facilitate that through PlayerMint, that would be a really good idea, I imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we want to do like one thing that we have in mind is, is like right now, Twitch has these things called subscriptions. So mm -hmm. it's like, if you subscribe to someone, you pay like $5 and then you gain access to all of these cool emotes. And okay. you have a, in their Twitch stream, when you type out a message, you have a cool icon next to your name. And it kind of acts as this like almost um, kind of like public, you know, awareness of, Hey, I'm a cool guy. Cause I have this, you know, exclusive access. Mm -hmm. So we also want to do something in that realm where with a Discord bot or Twitch bot, you could pay a certain amount of PMX in order to subscribe to a, a content creator. And then you'd gain access to maybe a role inside of their Discord server that gains, you know, exclusive permissions, things like that. Okay, gotcha. Okay, speaking of the awesome utility of the token, 
how can how and when can people buy the token or acquire the token? Is there some sort of process for that? Yeah, so we took the approach of we aren't holding any form of pre-sale or anything like that. The first time that people will be able to earn the token is when we launch the actual product and they'll be able to sign up and then start earning it via gameplay performance. That's when the token is going to first hit people's wallets and it's going to be starting to circulate. Um, we're not So we're not doing any form of pre-sale. Large in part, that was due to we had other options, like, for example, Project Catalyst being a wonderful way in order to get funding for projects inside of the Cardano community. Um, we also felt as though from a, a regulatory approach, there isn't super clear guidelines as to when a token you sell in a pre-sale is considered a security or not. So we just didn't want to run into the scenario where if we become as big as we want to be, we don't want to run into what's happening with like Ripple right now, where they're currently getting investigated by the SEC. Mm -hmm. So we kind of decided to take, uh, you know, we didn't want to go down that route. And the other route that we decided to go down was, is, is we didn't want to set, because we don't are having this pre-sale, we aren't setting an initial value of our token. We aren't saying, hey, here's how much it's worth at launch. We are allowing that to be determined by the free market, much like Bitcoin has. Yeah. So, yeah. so basically what we're going to do is, is we're giving everyone a way to earn the token. And then once that token has then entered their wallets, what we're going to do is, is we're going to go to all of the amazing DEXs that are being built out on Cardano. Many of them are very visible on Twitter or on Project Catalyst. We're going to hit them up. We're going to make sure that we can essentially ensure that PMX can be transacted from that. And then we're going to allow, you know, whoever would like to sell their PMX to say, hey, I'm going to provide liquidity to this DEX for PMX at this value. And I get to determine the initial value of PMX and how much it's worth. I like so we're it. allowing the free market to kind of determine what it's worth because we don't want to have an instance where we set the value artificially super high. And then it's kind of like everyone, then, then there's just kind of a steady downfall of value because that wasn't its true economic value at that time. We'd rather have it be a, a true value of what people are willing to pay for it. And then, you know, we work to increase that value via actually increasing utility and access in its yeah. worth. Yeah. I like it. The price is determined by a supply demand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Is there a timeline on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we actually had uh, a conversation with our dev group uh, yesterday and we're feeling really good about our movement so far. We are, our goal right now is, is to have the code base already put it in kind of an open source environment, get it audited, fix any bugs, and then launch it right around the time that Alonzo hard fork occurs. So we kind of want to be those one of those projects that is ready to you know hit the launch button as soon as smart contracts turn on uh, on Cardano. So that's kind of expected to be at the latest by the end of September. So okay. that's kind of what we're expecting is is sometime in September or October of this year. Okay, that's kind gotcha. of what we're expecting, although it is dependent on that smart contract piece by Cardano. Yep. On Project Catalyst, you've got a couple of proposals on there on idea scale. Could you speak a little bit about those, kind of what ideas you're proposing, what funds you're seeking, and ultimately what you plan on doing with those funds if you get voted in for it? Of course. Yeah. So we actually just concluded. So we have a, a proposal in Fund 4, and then we have a proposal in Fund 5. Um, each of those we're asking for $30,000, so $60,000 total. Um, and what we're kind of the initial proposal in fund four is to build out was to build out player mint as a discord bot actually. So 
right now in our current development, what we want to do is build out that Discord bot after we build out the website as opposed to before. And so unfortunately, there was a long period of time in Fund4 between when, you know, the innovation phase or when proposals kind of were submitted and then proposal editing was locked and when governance actually began. There was, I think there was like a two, two and a half month long span in there. So during that two and a half month span, we didn't stop developing. And what we kind of found out was it makes a lot more sense to build out the core user experience on the Player Mint website. And then once that user experience has been developed, uh, then we start building out things like a Discord bot. So uh, what we want to do, our fun for proposal, because of that proposal editing, it's, it's listed as a Discord bot. But before voting opened, we released all of these kind of announcements and blog posts and videos saying, hey, we actually want to build out the website first. And then we're going to go out and build this Discord bot. So that's kind of the fun for proposal. Sorry, I know that's a little bit confusing, but we wanted to be very transparent in that regard. And then our fun five proposal is to essentially continue on that development of working towards becoming the mint of the metaverse. So fun five is going to be, those funds are going to be towards, uh, if we need to do any more optimization on the website end, funds will go there. But our, our main hope for that is, is that that'll be able to actually go off towards developing the Discord bot that I spoke of. Okay. So there's a little bit of a, a flip-flop in terms of what we want to do with funds for four and five due to that kind of uh, extended period of time between innovation and governance for fund four. But yeah, that, that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, sorry, a bit confusing, but ultimately what we want to do with the funds, just to make it very clear at the end here is, is we want to use the funds to initially build a playermint.com, the website edition of the protocol. And then we want to use those leftover funds to build the Discord edition. Okay. Okay. So if people hop on Project Catalyst, sign up through Ideascale. And for those that mm -hmm. don't know and aren't signed up, Project Catalyst is kind of like a, a launch pad or incubator type thing that is native to Cardano. So Cardano has this treasury of funds and every so often ideas are submitted to Project Catalyst and then the community can then vote on the ideas that they like and then they receive funding to turn that idea into something tangible, which in itself is amazing like it, it's amazing like it's ridiculous it's our, that this is yeah and there's so much money in the treasury already there's there's ideas like yours that are actually being turned into something real even that in itself is like ridiculous that we're at this point already um like yeah going, already have some <laughs> some level of on-chain governance yeah, yeah it's ridiculous so if you're not on project catalyst and you'd like to participate in this which i highly recommend um go there project catalyst if you google it Project Catalyst, Cardano, I think it's Ideascale is the, is the mm. platform that it's currently running through. Sign up. You can see all these ideas like Player Mint, and then you can eventually vote on them and they can get some money and, and turn these ideas into something cool. Um, so you highly recommend that. Um, on, so can we quickly talk about the team? So, Of course. Yeah, who, who's, in the, who's in the team? Um, yeah, Give us a bit of a background around the team that is building this and eventually going to be powering the metaverse economy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at the moment we have of myself, of course, I'm kind of on the community side of things. Um, and I kind of deal with all things, customer touch points, whether that be marketing, customer support, and then actually like the front end, what the product looks like, how it operates. 
Uh, and then we have Grant Scholl, who I mentioned earlier, who's kind of my, my high school long buddy. Um, and he's our CEO. So he's kind of like the big visionary. He's kind of the one that's looking at where's the future of blockchain? Where's the future of gaming? How can we make sure that we're building the best product uh, possible so that it fits those markets. Then we have our COO, our chief operating officer, a, a great guy named John Rousseau. He has a lot of experience in the gaming world. He was actually one of the founders of E3, or, um, which is currently kind of the largest gaming convention in the world. Hmm. Um, and he's, he's kind of all, you know, has a lot of connections in the gaming world. Uh, and his big focus is of other than kind of making sure the team is operating efficiently is to get us connections into that gaming world so that we can get those integrations and we can start forming that metaverse. Uh, and then actually, uh, John Rousseau, his son, uh, Jack Rousseau, is also on our team. So Jack Rousseau went to high school with Grant and I, and he recently joined the team and he's kind of taking a, a big shot at the social media side of things. So he's just kind of getting into the motion of things right now. He just kind of finished up that onboarding process and he's super hungry and, and uh, uh, to kind of get moving and, and creating a lot of social media content. And then finally, we have our brilliant strategic advisor, a guy named Greg Fox, who has kind of a lot of experience in kind of the sales and finance world. So his kind of focus has been a lot on, you know, hey, let's make sure that we can build a product that is going to be very profitable for the user base, but let's also make sure that the, the product is profitable enough for the team so that we have the funding to make the product better and more enjoyable while also making sure that we're paying ourselves enough so that we don't have to worry about picking up other jobs. Okay, perfect. A um, couple more questions to go. We've gone a bit over schedule, but I've, I hope you have enjoyed hey, the conversation. No I've, I've enjoyed the convo. Um, how can people connect with Player Mint and you know get involved with the community and support the project? Yeah, so I think probably the best entry point, the easiest spot I can send people is if you just go to playermint.com. On that, you'll be able to find a link to our Discord uh, where I'd highly recommend you join our Discord. If you have any questions at all, you want to speak at any length about PlayerMint, you have any feedback, any thoughts, any concerns or criticism, join our Discord, send a message into the general chat or, or whatever channel makes the most sense for your message, and I will answer it as soon as I can. Um, so super happy to hear any thoughts at all on that. We also have on there links to our, the rest of our socials. So like Instagram and Twitter and whatnot, uh, LinkedIn, and then I think Medium. Uh, but where we're kind of most active right now is going to be on Discord and Twitter. But if you have any questions at all, I would definitely recommend messaging us through, uh, through Discord. Okay, perfect. And final question, which is a general question. What excites you the most about the future of Cardano? Ooh. I'm going to have to say one of the big things that makes me love Cardano above the rest is its focus on the production of on-chain governance. I think this is something that isn't really talked a whole lot in the blockchain sphere, but if you're thinking about things in terms of their capacity to live beyond the initial dev group and creators of it, it's all about the on-chain governance. How do you make sure that the system is self-evolving and is run by the community of token holders behind it? And I think that's a huge reason why Cardano has so many communities behind it of people that hold the token because they believe in the vision, not because they want price appreciation. We all love it when ADA goes up in value. You know, we all feel really good about that. But we, I, at least me personally, I feel good about that because it's a representation of the work that's gone into Cardano, not because people are just looking for a quick buck. 
So on-chain governance has to be it for me. It's a quality system that has the capacity to withstand the test of time and actually change lives for the better. And if you know we ever need to change things or move things, the community behind it will have the capacity to do so. So I just feel really good about it because I know, I know it's built to last, I guess you could say. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please feel free to subscribe. Uh, And also, if you like our content, then make sure to check us out on social media with the handle Cardano Source. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode.